Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It's FOMO Friday. Yes, it is. It's that time of the week once again, where particularly for those of you that just don't want to listen or partake in the propaganda media, uh, then this is what we do. We try to allow you to not experience FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And we uh, bring to you the the stories that you you need to know and and let you know what's going on without having to listen to things like I heard today. I I was listening to that propaganda media and, and they were talking about how Portland, Oregon has so many problems. Why? Because of the Civil War, I don't, I, I don't understand it. They didn't even explain why. I mean, Portland was being, you know, established about that time, but you know how that how that works out. Who knows, right? But anyway, that is just craziness, and we want to bring you the real stuff. So, just, just like uh, some of these stories right here, the Daily Wire brought to us this one, where the Department of Energy's Inspector General is reviewing why the Joe Biden administration gave promising battery technology developed by taxpayer dollars to a Chinese company instead of making the batteries in the U.S. Okay, so we know that that this green energy type stuff, the, the, one of the biggest drawbacks to it is that you can't save the energy. When the wind's not blowing, how do you then get energy, right? When when the sun's not out, how do you get that energy? Well, it has to be saved. It has to be stored. It has to be stored in, in batteries. And we just, our battery technology isn't in, in, at a place right now where we can do a lot of that and make that a large part of the grid. China is now reportedly building one of the largest battery grids in the world using the technology that we developed, which could store huge amounts of solar energy without degrading over time or requiring lithium. That's, of course, mitigating a major environmental impact uh, of, of current green technology that, that ends up in landfills. In, in 2021, there was a illicit uh, Department of Energy transfer of a $15 million, $15 million taxpayer-funded um, advanced battery technology to, ti- to China. This, this comes from uh, Senators John um, Barrasso, who is the uh, Republican from Wyoming, and uh, Johnny um, uh, Ernst, which is another Republican from Iowa, wrote in a letter to the DOE and their international watchdog. The company that received the license plainly stated on the, the the their official website that they plan to manufacture the batteries in China. This was not a secret, even though the license in, included a requirement that the batteries be subsequently manufactured in the U.S. As these stipulations were continually violated, DOE never raised any concern. And this is exactly what they wrote. In response, the inspector general Terry Donaldson replied this month that, quote, we are conducting a thorough review of this matter, unquote. Yeah, I'm sure they are. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> In August, NPR reported that the U.S. government funded scientists working at the Pacific Northwest Natural Laboratory had developed the um, Vandium Redox flow battery. 
okay, which could store enough energy, get this, to power a house and last for 30 years. The technology could make it easier to rely on solar power and things like this. I mean, obviously, the battery technology that we have right now, uh, even if you can get like like in some of the cars and things like that, if, if you can get it to to, to run properly uh, for things like that, uh, it doesn't last real long before you have to obviously replace those batteries, and those are very expensive. In the U.S., government holds the patent on the technology, on this particular technology, but allowed the tr- the transfer a transfer of the license to go to a Dutch company called Vandalus Power, which said that it would make the batteries in China. It also kept American companies like Forever Energy um, out of being able to use the technology. After questions from NPR, the DOE revoked the license particularly freeing it up, you know, potentially for for an American company like Forever Energy. But a Forever executive said now the U.S. is far behind and that she doubts China will will stop producing the, the technology, obviously simply because it no longer has a license, right? <laughs> that has never stopped them in the past. And last month, Ernst said that taxpayer-funded tech, uh, tech breakthroughs routinely end up in the hands of China, and that a confidential Department of Defense report went so far as to say China, not the U.S., is the ultimate beneficiary of Department of Defense and other U.S. government research investments. So we pay for the research. And who benefits from it? Well, China basically benefits from it. Okay, these are taxpayer-funded research projects, and we're not taking uh, advantage of them. We do the research, we pay for the research, and then China benefits from it. Could could there be any correlation between this and all the money that the Bidens are getting from China? That's a question that probably should be asked, right? Maybe we should we should leave the research up to private companies, maybe, and that can keep it you know more secure. I mean, obviously, in a capitalistic society in, in, in that we you know claim to have, that private companies could be doing this research, they could be funding this research, and then when they come up with a really cool battery like this one right here, then they benefit from that. But you know, it's it's not China benefiting from that. Uh, you know, again, something to keep an eye on. It's it's really unfortunate that we that that we spent, you know, fifteen million dollars on this research and then we're not really going to benefit from it. All right, let's move on. A half a million dollar National Science Foundation grant produced paper saying science is racist. <laughs> so we paid a half a million dollars to find out. That science is racist. A half a million dollar grant from the National Science Foundation funded a 22 page, okay, 22 pages for $500,000 and a study that used critical race theory to argue that physics was racist. Yeah, physics, in part because it, it awarded students for getting the right answers and using whiteboards. <laughs> This is, this is nutso, right? 
I mean, because you're because physics mean that you have to get the right answers in order to do it. Well, that's racist. And oh, by the way, you're drawing on whiteboards. <laughs> so so when we when we had nothing but blackboards, was that racist too? I don't know. The paper was funded through National Science Foundation grant number 1760761, which gave half a million dollars to Seattle Pacific University for understanding centrality and marginalization in the undergraduate physics teaching and learning they say critical race theory names that uh, that racism and white supremacy are epidemic to all aspects of us society from employment to schooling to the law this is what the paper reads this this is this is directly from their paper Quote, we see the outcomes of this in, for example, differential um, incarceration rates, uh, rates of infection and death in the era of COVID, and police brutality. We also see the outcomes of this in physics. Okay, so... So even even their examples here of, like, police brutality, if you... if you state that that's what you see, you see racism and and effects of this, you know, critical race theory on police brutality. Uh, well, the numbers don't bear that out. If you actually look at the numbers, that 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 it actually is quite the opposite. But let's move on. In exchange for the hefty government funding, the two two scholars got a chronically ill and disabled physics PhD holding thin, wealthy white woman, and a black man watched videos for <laughs> of, of four science lessons. Okay, this this was their research. This, this research wasn't, you know, uh, we're going to pour this into this beaker and, and do this over here and, and put that under this microscope. These two individuals, they watched videos of four science lessons and spoke to two students, oh, and a teacher over Zoom. That was their research. And they got a half a million dollars to do that. And all they came out with was a 22-page paper full of garbage. The paper... um, it indicts all of physics as racist by by isolating a six minute presentation of a group project in one of the videos and turning it into a metaphor. So out of those four videos they watched, right, they isolated six minutes, and said, here, this is what we're talking about. In the presentation, one male group member does all the work for the group, while the other two female members make jokes and ask questions demonstrating that They didn't understand the topic. After the group solved the problem of how much heat it would take to raise a bucket of water's temperature up to one one degree, the the student who had done all the work presented the results to the class on behalf of his group at his peers' behest. The hard worker is the Middle Eastern guy, while the freeloaders are white and Hispanic. Nonetheless, The paper says the Middle Eastern student exemplified the, get this, whiteness by being centered, receiving attention since he was one of the 
actually the only one doing the work, while the others were, as they said, marginalized. Don't you, don't you love those woke words? The group was tasked with diagramming how much heat it would take to raise a bucket of water's temperature one degree, an energy um, interaction diagram, or an EID. In this context, it makes sense that the EID, standing in for correctness and or physics, will capture the attention of the actors. And it also makes sense that the person closest to it, by consensus or by force, would also receive the most attention. Activity that is not seen as productive toward these ends would also be seen as less valuable, highlighting the ways in which whiteness and capitalism intersect. This, that, that right there is from the paper. In the researcher's postmortem interview with one of the marginalized group members, she rejected their premise that she was being oppressed. I mean, she said she wasn't being oppressed. And she said that she wanted the male to do the work and that the spokes uh, and be the spokesman for the group to the class because he knew the answer and she didn't. That's why she wanted him to do it. But because he did it, he's demonstrating whiteness. The paper says it was racist that the presentation on raising the temperature of the water consists, consisted of the correct answer. So because he got the right answer, he, he's he's being racist. Instead of incorporating his freeloading group member comments, which of course consisted of a joke and asking whether the water was liquid, this had the effect of centering white perspectives on historical events, downplaying white violence, dis disconnecting current racial violence and trauma from its long history and constructing mythologies where domination and centering appear God-given and right, <laughs> the government-funded paper says. I mean, come on. This is just... How do people get away with, I mean, I know you can say anything you want, but how do people get away with saying this and people thinking that it's real? It says the professor was also racist because she wanted her student to learn physics. We would argue that that Iris Agency is um, constrained by whiteness. The outcome expected of her teaching is uh, is students who can access the center defined by physics. This is what the paper says. We contend that the structure of schooling, and in particular, mechanisms of control, such as grades or academic qualifications, co-produces whiteness. So in other words, if you get the right answer or you're doing well or you even try to get a, gr a good grade, well, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Ironically, while the paper's only finding of whiteness in the classroom was Middle Eastern student, you know, supposedly um, oppressing his peers by helping them. It is the researchers themselves who seem to have the white person take up most of the space. With the, with the with the white researcher conducting the Zoom interviews, referring to himself in the first person in the text, and placing her name first. <laughs> Anticipating the the rebuttal, the cherry picking um, that that cherry picking a a single uh, exchange in one classroom lesson 
and turning it into a far-reaching metaphor is not rigor research. I mean, this is just crazy. This is not research. This is not research at all. The federally funded academics simply say anyone who said so would be engaging in bad faith argumentation. So, so they, they know that this is not good research. They know that this is bad and, and they anticipate that. And so they said, well, but if, if, if you don't like it, then, then you're just engaging in bad faith argumentation. Justifying how a Middle Eastern male working hard, getting the right answer and helping his peers, you know, rep- represents a negative trait called whiteness that, that is, you know, allegedly everywhere they reason that the whiteness is pervasive and insidious and complex. That's in their paper. Yet they also could not describe it. I mean, <laughs> when they try to describe it, they can't, really, they can't really do it. Part of the difficulty in characterizing whiteness lies with its having no genuine content, the paper says. So I looked it up, right? Seattle Pacific University, where this happened. In in 2022, 2023, uh, undergraduate twi- uh, tradition, tradition, tuition and fees cost 36, over $36,000 a year. Their, their own website says that a clinical psychology program, nine-month program, uh, expense budget will cost you $51,000 a year. That's over... $200,000 for four years for one student. Now, that is ridiculous. If this is the type of thing that you're getting for that kind of money. Why would you ever do that? This is crazy. This is nuts. This is a scam. And, and, and how is this not racist teaching? You're paying for racist teaching. And that's what this is. This was not research. This was money that was stolen and was racist, racistly taught, if you want to look at it that way. All right, let's move on. We've, we've covered that. We don't want to beat a dead horse, right? All right, next one. Scandalous um, uh, Pfizer executive tells EU lawmaker that COVID jab was never tested to show it blocked transmission. Wow, this is a shocker, right? A top Pfizer executive uh, ad- admission Monday to the European lawmakers that the Pharmaceutical grant never tested its COVID vaccine to determine if it stopped transmission is raising new questions about global effort to compel people to get the jab. The uh, the, the Pfizer president of international development uh, markets, uh, Janine Small, made the stunning admission while uh, testifying before the European Union Parliament. She, a- she was asked by the European Union member of Parliament, Bob Roos, if the company tested its mRNA vaccine on stopping transmission before rolling it out. Quote, if not, please say it clearly, Roos said. If yes, you are willing to share the data. Are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. That's what he asked. Small, who was sent to testify when the Pfizer CEO um, actually declined, uh, said the company didn't have time to see if its vaccine would stop the spread of COVID. That's what she said. Quote, regarding the question around, uh, did we know about stopping the immunization before it entered the market? She said no. 
She said no such tests were conducted because the world was facing a health crisis and insisting and insisted that the vaccine, which Pfizer believes protects people from getting COVID, or at least makes it less deadly if they do, that's what they believe, had to be made quickly available. So in other words, they had to get it out because people were demanding it, and so they didn't study it. She cited a study from Imperial College London, which claims vaccine uh, vaccines may have prevented nearly 20 million uh, COVID deaths in their first year, but the college has been heavily criticized for its allegedly inaccurate uh, modeling, which drove lawmakers to lock down the UK economy. Ruse, who represents the Netherlands, later uh, shared a clip of Small's response on Twitter and said that it showed that the global campaign to force vaccination to protect others was built on a lie. And of course it was built on a lie. I mean, this is crazy. This is not what they said that, that we were in for. This is not what they said it was supposed to be. Now, Pfizer made a reported $37 billion. That's billion with a B. Pfizer made $37 billion in revenue from its COVID vaccine in 2021 alone. So, you know, how, how do we know that that what they're saying now is true. If you want to, you know, you, you're supposed to get the booster because it's going to, it's, it's going to help you. How do we know that? Because we can't trust them. I mean, the, the latest booster was tested on a total of, get this, eight mice. Yes. The, the BA5 booster was tested on a total of eight mice. People lost their careers and access to loved ones over these vaccines. And, and, and we were told that they were safe and effective. And yet they weren't tested. They didn't know if they were or not. State Surgeon General Joseph, uh, Dr. Joseph A. Uh, Ladpro, who, who is the Surgeon General in Florida, has announced new guidance regarding the mRNA vaccines now. He's, what he's saying is that if you are 18, if you're a male and you're 18 to 39 years old, that you should not be getting these boosters, that you should not be getting it. You should not be getting the vaccine. This analysis, the analysis that he, he looked at, and they did some of their own independent stuff. This analysis found that there was 84% increase in the relative incidences of uh, cardiac related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following the mRNA vaccine with a high level of global immunity to the COVID-19, the benefit of the vaccine is likely outweighed by its abnormally its high risk of cardiac-related death among men in, in its age group. None, Non-mRNA vaccines were not found to increase the risk. It's just the mRNA ones. So this is just ridiculous. And, and, and we knew that there, there was a lot of just stuff going on there that people were being told lies, and this is proving it. All right, let's move on. One more here that, that's going to get you. <laughs> it's Planned Parenthood's foray into child gender uh, transitions featuring your tax dollars. Yes, Planned Parenthood has gone all in on, on child gender transition services, which means that you're paying for them. The nation's largest abortion provider, 
uh, offers gender transition services at hundreds of clinics across the country. And because Planned Parenthood and its affiliates get more than half a billion dollars in government funding every year, that's Americans' tax dollars, tax dollars hard at work, of course. At least 344 Planned Parenthood clinics in 41 st- states across the country currently offer gender transition services, according to its website. Many clinics offer cross-sex hormones for minors. Yes, for minors, and some provide puberty blockers. While we might not uh, blink at such a leftist organization dabbling in, in medical gender transition market, it's a it's a significant departure from Planned Parenthood's core mission, of course. Helping kids move towards sex changes is not clearly related to family planning, is it? I mean, you know... As Planned Parenthood's abortion business, though, reels in the wake of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, the organization continues to take advantage of this shiny new market. I mean, there's a lot of money, as we've been talking about in other podcasts, that's coming in from these gender transitionings. Now, since the abortion provider gets more than $600 million a year in government funding, we are all effectively paying for this new enterprise. Planned Parenthood received $633.4 million in government funding in the year ending June 30th of 2021. That's last year. According to the organization's latest annual report, that's that's how much they got. The bulk of those funds comes from Medicaid uh, reimbursements and about $60 million comes from Title, um, Title 10 family planning grants. Title 10 is a federal program while Medicaid uses federal and state funds. Um, it, it, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, so, so you look at this and you say, well, how can that be the case? How can Planned Parenthood, it has nothing to do with, with, with planning your, you know, your family or whatever. How can they be dabbling in that? Well, it's, it's because they got to look for money. They're right now, they're losing a ton of money because of clinics that are being shut down. Uh, the, the, there's less abortions going on. They, they need more money. And so this is the big thing. This is the new income stream for them. All right, let's end it with this. Uh, we, <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen the, the fat, fat Bear Week, okay? We just had Fat Bear Week. And this bear named 747 was named the winner of this year's Fat Bear Week for the second time. Uh, he's, he's a multi-winner now. Uh, con, uh, contest organizers in Alaska have named the winner of Fat Bear Week and the, and the Fat Bear Week contest. Despite an earnest attempt among voters to flood the online poll with fake ballots, <laughs> yeah, there was some controversy this year. <laughs> Every year since 2014, the Katmari uh, National Park and Preserve in Alaska highlights its brown bear population by asking the public to judge which bear along with Brooks River, is the fast, the fattest. <laughs> there are more than 2,000 bears estimated to inhabit uh, the, the park, according to the National Park Service. And during Fat Bear Week, voters asked uh, to compare um, before and after images of each bear to see which gained the most weight over the summer before uh, it was time to hibernate for the winter. The pounds uh, the bears put on during the months-long gorge on salmon will help them survive, of course, the five months of hibernation in the cold Alaskan winter. The competition collaboration amongst the the the, the, the Katmai uh, National Park and, and Reserve 
explore.org uh, uh, yeah, explore and cap my uh, conservancy uh, eliminates um, estimates that con- contestants each day um, that, that, that they will, they will come and they will vote in, in, in these kind of like March madness, like brackets. And then, uh, obviously the, the winners move on the, the, the losers do not. And, and then it gets down to just two and you have to vote on them. The national park announced on Sunday that someone attempted to spam the poll, however, and it, uh, it is easy to spot which votes were fraudulent though. They said, like uh, bears stuff their face with fish. Our ballot box too has been stuffed. <laughs> that was a tweet from them. After a after a recount, a massive bear named 747, obviously named after the jumbo jetliner, was uh, was crowned the champion of Fat Bear Week on Tuesday. It marks 747's second win, and he was also voted the fattest bear of the land in 2020. Uh, though he may be blissfully unaware of his two titles, the gains are real, <laughs> is what the Park Service said. In, in the bear world, fat is fit, and these chunky contenders have been working tirelessly to pack on the pounds necessary for survival. So, you know, it's one of those things that's it's just kind of fun to watch and see who, who wins. And, and it's interesting. The, the, the runner up was somebody, a, a female bear who was pregnant. And, uh, and so I, I mean, is that cheating because they're putting on, you know, uh, pounds that way? I don't know. Anyway, they came in runner up and, and it was interesting to find out that they actually have their cubs while hibernating. How weird would that be if you went into hibernation and then woke up and said, oh, hi, look, I've got two new little babies here. Anyway, kind of an interesting one. Just thought it was a great one to end on. And now you you, you may agree with, all, with, with, with some of this. You may disagree, but I would love to have a conversation with you about things. If, if, if something here sparks something that you want to talk about, I would love to do that with you. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.